1: Learn more at Marines.com. Night fans, so sorry you missed the live show, but this replay is brought to you by Gordon and Partners. Gordon and Partners are dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who've been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice directly from somebody you trust, which in our case is Michael Hoffman, a UCF alum. Contact Michael directly at 407-913-5350 or visit the website fortheinjured.com. Don't just trust anybody. Trust a fellow Knight. Trust Gordon and Partners for the injured.
0: Hello Night Nation, I'm Trey Strolko. Welcome into the Sons of UCF Live. Adam, thirty da- thirty-five days from kickoff, and we have a big boom to begin the show.
1: Big day for UCF, the the last American conference uh, media days, thank God, because that was really an interesting situation. Obviously, a lot of big recruiting news, and I'm currently staring at Mike's Mike's ass as he's getting himself ready in his chair right now. So it's a big day for us here at the Sons of UCF.
0: Uh, The power you have behind the scenes. Well,
1: yes. Something
0: like that. Uh, You know, Christy Malzahn, head coach Gus Malzahn's wife, said it best today. This is more like a sonic boom. John Walker, four star defensive lineman, 6'3, 310 pounds out of Osceola High School, top 100 recruit, intends to go to UCF. I think we've moved away from the word. He also intends to join us in the show this week. Hello, UCF. Mike, we're just talking about the big sonic boom out of Osceola County today. John Walker. Uh, choosing UCF over Ohio State, Miami, Florida, and Michigan, amongst others. Welcome into the show, Mike.
2: Thanks, man. I'm here, just in time, right? I'm only a minute and thirty seconds late. <laughs> that's uh,
0: that's on time for you. That's on time yeah, for you. It's early. I, actually. Again, I don't. I don't want to use the word commit. That's the word. When he's on campus, I'm going to believe it. But uh, a lot of chatter uh, and social media from all of the uh, recruiting websites and the like. This was a big. Uh, announcement from uh, from John Walker today choosing UCF.
1: Yeah, to me, it's twofold, right? Obviously, we're getting a hell of a player, right? You, you see the measurables on the screen there. Obviously, you know the offer list he had. We're getting a great player. But I think this is bigger because it signals what we hope is that that tide shifting where these, these kids who are local in Orlando will stay in, in Orlando and come play at UCF. We've always said it just takes one domino to fall. Other kids see that happening, and they want to follow along as well, too. So this hopefully is the beginning of an era where we're able to keep these kids home, keep them in Orlando. I'll give Gus credit. He came in early and he said, I'm going to recruit like my hair's on fire. I'm going to keep these guys in, in Orlando. And we all were like, okay, Gus, yeah, we probably all rolled our eyes a little bit. And he's put together one great class. And this is obviously the highest rated recruit in UCF history. I know there's still some, uh, some ways to go. We still got, what, six months we got to hold on to him. But hopefully it also signals that there are a bunch of other kids right in line behind him that see this announcement and say, hey, you know what, I can go to UCF and I can, you know, I can have a good career there as well.
0: State of Orlando is what he says, right? And this comes just 24 hours after kicker Grant Reddick, the nation's number one ranked kicker, choosing UCF. He's a local product, Boone High School in Orlando. Mike, lining him up.
2: Hey, we know kicker is a a position that we are in desperate need of. So this guy's supposed to be the best in the country. (laughs) So, I mean, uh, let's see what he can do. You know, I'm going to quote George O'Leary on this, on these commitments here. If all you want are commitments in July, I'm not interested. You've heard me say do it in the playoffs. Do it on signing day. And then Mm. I want to see them enrolled. And then I want to see them in practice. And then I want to see them in games actually contributing and doing stuff. Because I've seen four or five-star guys be bust. I'm not really as excited as everybody else right now. So many things can happen between now and next season. Uh, I'm I'm more focused on the guys that are on the team today.
0: All right. But still, it's a good thing to get guys like this. And I know (laughs) later on in the show, you're going to bash watch lists. But the fact is, you'd rather have guys on watch lists. And you'd rather be bringing in the nation's number one ranked kicker. These are good days for the program, as Coach Gus Malzahn puts that fence around Orlando and uh, makes it uh, uh, UCF-centric. So uh, I, I still think, Mike... You're looking at this in a a negative way. Uh, These are good days for UCF.
2: Sure. It's better than them picking Ohio State over us. It's better than the number one kicker going to the cows. But like I said, they're not here yet. So when they're here, talk to me then.
1: I mean, listen, it's unfortunately – it, it's the sad Mike's leaving. Like, not <laughs> <for this nonsense." laughs> it, It's the sad state of where we are, though, that we have to hold on to these kids now for the next six months. There were late rumors that Miami was making run a run at John Walker. You know, will something happen at the end? That's the that's the we talked about this in the previous show. We call these reservations. I don't think we call them commitments, or I forget what we were calling them. Intentions. Intentions. Um, But again, this this is huge because if another kid who's in Orlando sees this and says, hey, you know what, maybe I can go to UCF too. There's rumors that there are flips out there that are coming our way. There's rumors that there are are, are quiet commits. I thought it was interesting. Brandon Helwig, by the way, kudos to Brandon for making like the six hour drive, 20 miles to get out there for the the announcement. Uh, John Walker told him in that interview that he'd been committed for three months. Uh, so that, that's, that's, that's not only, you know, is he coming to UCF, but he made that mind up a long time ago. He could have flipped that at any point in time. So hopefully that, that bodes well, but Mike's got a point, right? Until they're on, on campus, until they're in class, you know, you want to celebrate a little bit, but you also want to leave that 1% for, Hey, you never know.
0: All right, Mike. So. Hot off the presses, the good news is UCS preseason schedule is announced, the first week of it anyway. Players report July 31st, first practice August 1, they practice the second, the third, media day, week from today on the 4th, and then a scrimmage on uh, Sunday, August 7th. So that's actual football players taking the field, Mike, you gotta like that.
2: That I do like, I mean, I'm looking forward to the videos you're gonna have posting on all these practices, and... Scrimmage on August 7th, that's scrimmage one. Gus said by scrimmage two, he wants to know the starting quarterback. Is it possible that by fan day on the 13th, a week after that, we know who the starting quarterback is?
0: I think that's a pretty good, um, that's a good question. That, that may be, and I think media day being held earlier so that he doesn't have to keep hearing that question, right, and the players hearing that question. They'll have that announcement soon. Today also, AAC media day via Zoom Yours truly camped out in it from the snooze fest that was Mike Aresco, uh, reading Oof. off a stack of papers. Uh, <laughs> I mean, geez, longer than a presidential uh, inaugural address. Uh, he Depends went on and on, 40 minutes, I think it was. Uh, but the uh, preseason media poll, I'm glad I was asked to be a part of that. UCF coming in third in that with seven first place votes. Houston. Uh, narrowly edges out Cincinnati they got seven first place votes Cincinnati with 10 I don't understand that they weren't my selection uh, but uh, UCF uh, coming in third and that of course doesn't mean anything uh preseason media poll but uh, you can see that those three schools moving out of the uh, American into the big 12 ranked
2: one two three I have a question trace you had a vote in the media poll how I did. did how did we not get a vote how did you get one <laughs> under the Sons of UCF Umbrella? And if it was under the Sons of UCF Umbrella, how did we not part- how did we not uh you know come together on this vote? You got the whole vote by yourself?
0: These are interesting questions that I <laughs> didn't think about and didn't include you in when I cast my vote. <laughs>
1: Uh, well, yeah, we'll, hey. we'll get back to oh, that yeah, post-show we'll po- like meeting. Here. Yeah, post-show meeting. Um, but, <laughs> there needs to be
0: some more meetings. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> there needs meeting. to be more meetings about the meeting. I don't, is anyone surprised by this, though? I mean, listen, Houston, we all – Mike has been saying this since day one. Houston's got a really favorable schedule. They have a lot of returners on, on offense. We have what Joe Broback on, I think, a month or so ago, talking about how good Houston was going to be. Cincinnati, I mean, they're a media darling. A lot of the media like Cincinnati. That's the one that's interesting is that, again, I still challenge anybody to tell me the name of the Cincinnati quarterback. Nobody knows it. And yet we're just going to give them a pass and assume they're going to be the second best team in they America. And maybe they've got to replace
0: be. a lot of guys on both sides. There's a lot,
1: there's a lot of talent there. So I'm not surprised by by these results per se. I think it gives UCF some, some good bulletin boom material as well. I think this gives Gus one more element to kind of go in there and say, hey, listen, you know what? They don't even they don't even think we can win our own conference. Let's go in there and do something. But this this was not shocking news. I was actually surprised the cows weren't last. Poor Temple. Oof.
0: Yeah, poor Temple. Uh, Coach Malzahn, Isaiah Bowser, Ryan O'Keefe addressed the media about three o'clock. Uh, Adam able to bring together some video. Uh, this, I believe, is Coach Malzahn uh, asked about the quarterback, uh, uh, you know, challenge there.
3: I would say it's it's even as it can get. They both finished spring very well, and uh, we just told them that hey, uh, we're going to go in this this fall camp. We're going to have two scrimmages early. I hope that we can name a starter by then. But my experience with quarterbacks, uh, naming, setting a date and all that is really tough because usually it's a time in fall camp or before the season that something happens where everyone on the team knows who the starting quarterback is. And a lot of times the coach doesn't even have to say anything. So we're hoping that happens. Uh, The good thing is that we have two guys, like I said earlier, that we can win with. I asked on my Twitter this week,
0: temperature check, who's going to be the starting quarterback, went 60-40 to John Rice Plumley. Uh, and he has had a consistent edge in that poll, as I've asked it over the last couple of months. Let's talk more about the day's big news with Jason Beattie, covers the UCF Knights for the Orlando Sentinel. Jason, welcome back to the Sons of UCF Live.
4: Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> All right, so much we could talk about. We could talk about that quarterback situation, could talk about that AAC preseason media poll. But let's begin with this big boom out of Osceola County at 6 o'clock, uh, the Knights landing John Walker with a commitment.
4: Yeah, he's the highest-ranked recruit uh, in UCF history. Uh, he's, you know, just a really talented. He's a massive human being in general. Um, I, I've talked to him a couple times. He's a really good kid. Um, you know, Kenny Martin, the defensive tackles coach, put a lot of work in to land Walker. Uh, Ohio State, Miami, Florida, Michigan, all of those schools uh, were legitimately in the race. I mean, you hear sometimes. UCF will land a kid that had an offer from a certain school or whatever, and then fans will say it's not a committable offer. I'm telling you right now, if you go to the Ohio State message boards or the Miami message boards, fans are upset about this. UCF outright beat uh, those other programs to land Walker, and um, you know it's, it's a really big commitment for Gus Malzahn and what he's trying to do at, at UCF.
1: Is he done yet, Jason? I mean, there's rumors of a lot of a lot of other kids. I guess, what, what do you think this signals bigger picture for the program? Obviously, highest-rated recruit in UCF history, hometown heroes, is a thing Gus has been talking about. You saw John Walker mention that. Do you think this is the start maybe of, a? I don't want to say recruiting boon, but is this a restart maybe of Gus kind of closing that state of Orlando off?
4: It's really interesting because last year's class, I mean, they had Jakari and Damari Henderson, who were supposedly going to be contributors as early on. Um, they had a really good class. Gus Mazan already kind of started that, but I think landing John Walker takes it to another level. Um, you know, I was talking with someone earlier and, and, and talking about the impact of this commitment. It's a really big deal. I think when kids see other recruits, you know, commit to schools and, and especially in Orlando, local prospects, I think kids will be watching this and, and they'll want to say, hey, I, I actually do like the idea of playing with my friends and, and we don't have to go far. Um, You know, I think it's something that some of the kids that have transferred to UCF under Gus Malzahn have told other kids that they wish they had just picked UCF from the start. John Walker is a perfect example of him choosing UCF from the start. Um, So I think it is a big deal, and I think it will have an impact on other local prospects
2: who still have to make a decision. Johnny Walker, obviously a big name. Well, what's your preference johnny walker jose cuervo or jim b
4: <laughs> next question no comment <laughs> mike you got johnny another walker question
2: yeah well <laughs> my other one was i saw you guys did a great job on the media day today bd would got the first question almost for every everybody i guess there usually that's Hellwig's thing so what what did you do to brandon is he trapped in a broom closet somewhere because of you? <laughs>
4: Uh, No, I think actually, and I kind of had, I had to make a decision about this too. Um, It it kind of was unfortunate that media day was number one virtual to start with. I I just thought that was uh, a really big missed opportunity for the conference. But the fact that it happened to fall on the same day is such a big um, announcement for UCF recruiting. Um, You know, it wasn't just John Walker announcing his commitment, but Jakeem Jackson just committed to Florida and, and Derek LeBlanc committed to Oklahoma. So we had three Local recruits. I know Brandon Helwig, you know, doesn't care about kids who pick or Oklahoma or another <laughs> program outside of UCF. But as the Orlando Sentinel, we had to cover local recruiting, obviously. So um, I made the decision to handle media day. We had Chris Hayes at John Walker's and the other guys' announcement. I know Brandon went to the announcement, which is obviously great. Um, but it's it was an hour drive down there, and there's a lot of traffic, obviously. So um, with the timing of media day, that's that's where Brandon was for sure. Plus,
0: Jason might not have made it back for the 8-10 time slot on the Sons of Houston. That's what what it was all about,
1: really.
4: (laughs) What's your big takeaway from
0: Coach Malzahn speaking to members of the media today? He touched on the quarterback battle. Did you find his comments interesting?
4: Yeah, that was something he hadn't really revealed in terms of, like, um, how previous quarterback battles have gone. Um, That was something I actually wanted to ask him about. Obviously, this isn't his first go-around. Uh, choosing quarterbacks. I had done some research leading up to media day, how he handled battles at Auburn. Um, most of the time he had, he had made a decision before, at least I think the latest was, I don't remember what year it was, but um, there was a report, an old, an old report uh, from an Auburn newspaper saying that the latest he had ever picked was a week before. So generally he does, when he says he's going to, you know, they're going to have two scrimmages, which tends to be about halfway through uh, just based on previous camps. Uh, I think he does really mean that, Um, you know, some folks like the idea that, well, there's playing South Carolina state in the first game. I'm sure both quarterbacks, maybe even Tom and Castellanos will see the field and really the starter will be decided for the Louisville game. I understand that logic, but I really think it's important for Gus Malzahn, to name a starting quarterback. Um, You know, we saw what he did with Joey Gatewood last year. So I wouldn't be surprised to see both play, but I do think Gus Malzahn is, is being candid with us and being honest about his decision-making and The way that he revealed to us that sometimes some things happen. I don't know exactly what he was referring to. I wish he kind of would have given an example, whether, you know, maybe it was one of his quarterbacks in the past staying longer after practice and everyone noticed it. Whatever it may be, something's going to happen where a majority of the team is going to realize, okay, so and so is the starting quarterback. And that's what Gus is hoping for. And again, this is the importance of fall camp.
1: Uh, first off, shameless plug, Jason does great work at the Orlando Sentinel. If you don't subscribe to that, you can you can absolutely do that. He's got some some great stuff he posts, Jason. And outside of the quarterback, what are the other storylines that you're going to be interested in following this fall camp? I mean, quarterback, we understand, but what are the other things maybe other folks aren't thinking about or looking at that you are kind of keeping an eye on from a storyline standpoint?
4: Well, linebacker is obviously an obvious one as well. Uh, he touched on that a little bit today. That seems like the only big question on defense uh, I think that's accurate. Just if you look at all these watch lists that come out every single day, UCF has had someone on most of them outside of quarterback and linebacker. Right. So, um, they have talent almost everywhere else. Um, I think kicking will be interesting. I know that's, um, something they addressed in recruiting yesterday, landing a recruit uh, commitment from uh, a local boon kicker, um, you know, who's a highly rated recruit, um, you know, but Daniel Barski is entering his senior season. They have Colton Boomer, who was able to enroll early. Um, that, you know, it sounds really lame to say that, but uh, in terms of uh, the kicker, is an important one. Um, but it is important because you look at how UCF has struggled the past couple of years, it's decided gains flat out. So, um, you know, obviously, quarterback's the main one, linebacker's there as well. But I think watching the kicking battle and, and seeing if Colton Boomer can, can give Daniel Barski a run for his money is something I'm going to be keeping my eye on.
2: The schedule works out pretty good for us. We don't leave the state of Florida until October 22nd. We have seven games at home this year. We play the four teams that lo- we lost to last year at home this year. What game concerns you the most on the schedule? I mean, I think, you know, you,
4: until you beat Cincinnati, um, you know, in terms of conference schedules, Cincinnati is the number one game, in my opinion, just because of the fact that you haven't beaten them in a few years. Um, we all saw what they did last year. I heard you guys talking about who's going to be, the Cincinnati quarterback—that's going to be interesting for sure. I do tend to agree that when you lose so many NFL draft picks like that, like they had eight or nine guys drafted, um, that that's hard to do. I know they had a couple transfers, and they've been recruiting at a high level as well. Um, non-conference schedule, obviously, I think UCF uh, wants to take advantage and and beat up on Louisville at home. You know that that loss last year, obviously, it, it, it hurt the team a lot to lose so many guys on the field, but to lose that game, I think. Um, you know, had an impact on the rest of the season for sure. So, you know, Cincinnati in the conference schedule, um, and I think Louisville as well is a, is a really important game for the team. Adam, we have one more soundbite, right, for uh, the uh, question
0: on Isaiah Bowser. Is that one that we have? We
1: sure do. We do want to we hear you that, play that.
0: So we can get a reaction okay. from uh, Jason.
3: Here we go. Well, I, I do think Isaiah is one of the best running backs in all of college football. And you know, last year when he was healthy and playing, we were completely different offense. And uh, he's going to stay healthy this year. He's going to have a great year. You know, as far as carries, you know, I think if you're playing one of the top teams, you could see him carry it 30 times. But, um, you know, the great thing we have now is we got great running running back depth in that room. You know, Johnny Richardson's a guy that, you know, they were a one-two compliment uh, last year. And, and we got some other guys that can really play. So we'll try to be strategically smart with a number of carries. But the uh, bottom line is winning games. And. You know, he's one of the best uh, running backs in the country. Gus
0: Malzahn on number of carries was a question I asked. He's also asked about, uh, uh, Isaiah was asked, what are you doing to stay in healthier shape? And he, he talked about yoga today.
4: That was that was pretty interesting. Um, I didn't know what he was going to say. I mean, you know, he could have said, oh, I've been drinking a lot of protein shakes or something like that. But uh, to say yoga, I thought was really interesting. Um, you know, he's, he obviously understands the importance of his health. Uh, I thought that question, what you asked him, was a good one. You know, Gus Malzan, I don't, what was the number he mentioned again? It was somewhere in the 30s or 40s, right? If you look at the Boise State game last year and the Florida game and the Gasparilla Bowl, he was over 30 in both those games. So, like he said, when the opponent is big time, he's going to get over 30 carries most likely. Um, with that said, I think Johnny Richardson's a really nice complementary piece to Bowser. They're obviously different in size, but they both are really fast and, and can really thrash at defenses.
0: I just think until we see Isaiah Bowser go through an entire campaign, you've got to be uh, careful with how you use him. I mean, why burn him against South Carolina State, for
3: example?
4: Yeah, no, I agree. And I think that, you know, there's a lot of reasons why kids decide to come back to school for an extra year. I think it's great that he did that. Um, but if he had gone hundred percent healthy throughout the entire season, he probably would have gone to the NFL draft. I mean, I think that's something In the back of his mind, he used to prove to the league that he can stay healthy and be a consistent running back that's going to be able to deliver, you know, not outrageous numbers every single game, uh, but someone who can stay healthy and and, uh, be consistent for sure.
1: Jason, you, you all at the Orlando Sentinel have had a chance to talk to Terry Mohajer a, a few different times of late. Um, and one of the things he talked about going to the Big 12 was obviously a need for fundraising, a need to you know continue to up the, the financial dollars. We've seen deals lately. You know, there's a sponsor of the, of the club now. There's a new sponsor for media rights. Do you have any sense yet for, for how UCF is doing on that fundraising trail or, or how at least how Terry's benchmarking where they are right now compared to where they want to be?
4: Well, I think, you know, Terry Mahajer said it himself, they still have a long ways to go. You know, when I was doing reporting on the multimedia rights, which I think was an important deal. Um, a lot of people were like, oh, my gosh, this is incredible. And it's, it, it is a really nice chunk of change, um, but they still have a long ways to go. I think when they shared those numbers, when they launched Mission 12, you know, they were near the bottom of the league in a number of areas. Um, you know, a couple of things have to happen for UCF over the next decade or so. Either they need more alumni to donate, or the average alumni needs to donate more. Obviously, the best answer is both those things: more people donating more money. Um, you know, they they still um, have a ways to go in that area, but I think Terry Mahajer is doing some things. You look at these different deals, and um, you know, if he can put a dollar sign on it, if that includes the fourth floor, you know, the club level, uh, you know, putting a sign on the door for a company, he's going to be able to do that. So. Um, and that's a strategy that he's made clear in every project he's going to, um, you know, create capital projects. You know, you're talking about um, what they want to do with the football stadium and the surrounding area. They're going to try to make money on every single thing they, they make. So, um, you know, they're, they're on the right direction, but they still have a long ways to go for sure.
2: Kind of piggybacking off of that. We saw Gus riding around in a Rolls Royce yesterday or a couple days ago. Let's say tomorrow you hit the mega millions. You win a billion dollars. What are you going to do for UCF? How can you? What would be the first thing you improve? I
4: mean, you know, as an independent journalist, um, <laughs> you know, obviously you I'm, I'm, a proud, I'm a proud UCF alum. Um, you know, it, it would be, you know, great one day, well far in the future when I'm not covering the team anymore to, you know, support UCF, obviously. Um, I remember a friend of mine's mother has made a joke about, you know, all these schools asking for donations, and she said, well, "I already committed sixty thousand dollars over four years," <laughs> referring to the tuition, obviously. Um, no, I think the Rolls Royce was a really uh, I- intriguing decision. You know, I've seen Lamborghinis and Ferraris, and some of these other uh, larger schools have bringing these cars in. It's it's flashy. It's it's exciting. Um, I'd love to know the backstory on how they got that. I, I'd heard about it the night before. Um, you know, to pick the Rolls Royce is is really nice, and it's 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 a cool thing that you can do. You've
0: touched on quarterback and linebacker. Let me ask you about special teams. How open do you think the kicking job is?
4: I, I don't think it's as open as people think. I mean, you know, when you add a kicker like Colton Boomer, and, um, you know, they they went after a couple of transfers last year, Riker Casey and uh, Green Bologna. I'm not going to say his last name right, but they have another Bonier. transfer. <laughs> Thank you. Um, they added those two transfers. They tried to address that. I mean, um, you know, I think it was really between Albarsky and Boomer in the spring going back and forth. Boomer is a perfect last name for him and what he is, what his job is. He has a pretty big leg. Um, but at the end of the day, it's it's about pressure and Albarsky's obviously had some challenges with that. Most notably the Memphis game a couple of years ago, we all saw, what happened on the sidelines there. Um, But at the same time, you know, even with the kicker they added to the recruiting class this week, who won't be on campus for another year, um, you know, you still have to make your kicks under the bright lights. Uh, You know, maybe this is something that UCF took for granted, having a guy like Matt Wright. I mean, in retrospect, Dylan Barnes is is looking more and more reliable. I mean, he was pretty accurate, even though he wasn't, you know, the star guy all those years. Um, You know, but I think Daniel Barsky has the job. Uh, but Colton Boomer is definitely gonna, you know, make a push for it too.
1: Jason, what's, um, you know, obviously camp kicks off and, and, you know, what do you see or what do you sense as camps going on? The difference between year one with Gus and this year, obviously, you know, obviously more time under his belt this time around, do you sense any difference between the way camp is running or the way that, you know, things are going to fluctuate with uh, a year two under Gus?
4: Well, camp starts next week. Um, So I can't exactly answer that in terms of fall camp, but looking at spring camp specifically uh, and kind of how things are run in general, um, you know, um, I think every time when you bring in a new coach, you don't know exactly what to expect. Um, I think this year, put simply, the athletes had a better idea of what to expect. Um, You know, they, they had some more organization. Things were run smoother not saying things weren't smooth year one um, but you have an idea of what things are going to be like with the coaches out there and everyone knows each other this year and uh, they have a bond already they have you know they've created some memories from last season they've built trust over the past year Um, you know so I I think I don't think things are going to change too much Um, you know obviously they can because camp does start next week but um, I I think in terms of like team chemistry and, and the way things are run and the expectations and whatnot um, it's, 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 you know, obviously better than it was last year for sure.
2: Here's probably the most important question of the night. You get to work in person with Trace Troco all the time at these press conferences, right? Now you see him today on screen. He's got a little beard stubble going on. If you saw him last week, he had hair on his head. We've seen a full beard. We've seen a mustache trace. What is your favorite face of trace?
4: Well, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's always, it's always fun when he comes back with a mustache or something like that. Um, <laughs> You know, I, I like clean shaven. That's how I wear my my own beard because it gets scruffy. Uh, but, you know, whatever works for Trace it works for us, right? <laughs> Got to count on Mike for the
0: hard-hitting questions, Jason. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Jason Beatty covers the nights for the Orlando Sentinel. Find his work online and in print. And, Jason, I'll see you at a training camp next week.
4: There we go. There we go. I'm ready to break down 15 minutes of practice. (laughs)
0: That's right. I I saw 20.
1: I saw 20 minutes on the update. So just prepare yourself five extra minutes, Jason, stretch if you have to to. do what you got to do.
4: Yeah. That's going to be big time. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) All right, Jason. Jason. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. As always. So Mike, you
0: um, have two questions there. One was on, on what my appearance is going to be. And the other was on Johnny Walker and Jose Cuervo. These are two of the questions.
2: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's right. You had your back.
0: All right. Uh, I wish there was a way to isolate a camera on uh, on Mike's face. I'm going to go through some watch lists, Mike, uh, and and I've, I've researched the number of finalists for these awards. So I just want to see your face. Ryan O'Keefe today named to the Horning Award watch list, most versatile player. He's one of 52 finalists. That's not even the highest number. Isaiah Bowser, the Warful Trophy, recognizes community service, athletic, and academic achievement. He's one of 115. <laughs> Finalists, Mike, one of 150. Just... Uh, punter Andrew Osti, Ray Guy Award, best punter, just 48 finalists for that one. Uh, guard Lakahi Paule, Outland Trophy, top interior lineman, 89 finalists. And we'll end with uh, safety devod Wilson, the Gersky Trophy, defensive player of the year, 85 finalists. You gotta like that. We're on a lot of watch lists, these guys.
2: Yeah, I got another list for you. It's the I don't give a shit list and put me on it and I'm going to win it because I, I don't care about any of these watch lists.
1: Yeah, I said he uh, no, he that's clear. He does not care. it's not, it not his thing. Uh, but I think Jason said it best. So it's good to have some guys being named, right? I mean, to, to Mike's point all the time, what does this really mean? Does this mean they're going to win something? But I mean, at least it, it shows that the talent that we have out there. What I don't know is how these are voted on. I, I had a chance to uh to talk to somebody today and I asked them, like inside how, how are these voted on? Nobody really knows. There was like a, a, a shrouded secret sometimes, it's the SID floating some names around there. So I think that's the part I'd love to understand. The Trace, do you have a vote for those? I mean, you have a vote for that? Is there a vote (laughs) you have that maybe you're not? I'm afraid to mention that to Mike now for getting
0: called out on the show. I'm Sorry, Mike. I just didn't think about that, uh, you know, uh, collaborating. uh, Well,
1: hold on. Let's do it now, Mike. How would you have voted?
2: Uh, For the conference? Obviously, we're never going to lose a game in this conference, so we would be number one. I'd put Houston, too, because they have the easiest schedule. Uh, You know, Cincinnati, I think, is going to take a step back. There'd be three, but I'd have – I'd have East Carolina, actually, with, with Surprise, maybe a little bit higher up. I always put the cows last, but to be honest, Temple has been the crappiest team the last couple of years. So I think they might have got that right. Um, so just based on those, those,
0: it, sounds, it sounds kind of like how I, I channeled you when I cast the vote.
5: All right.
2: SMU, allowed, I actually forgot about SMU. I assume it's not bad, too. Are you allowed to reveal
1: your vote, Trace? Is this one, one of those secrets where you can't, you can't let it out to the public? I'm not asking. I, I'm just asking I you to reveal it. Uh,
0: it was, it's been a couple of weeks. Those were my top three. Um, okay, but uh, and that wasn't a homer pick. Uh, I I do think Houston's going to be right there. I think Cincinnati takes a step back, and I like the fact that UCF has not only the nine games in state, but the four teams they lost to uh, in 2021 at home. So uh, that that contributed to the decision. Um, and that that I I just don't remember the full order uh, that I had on that vote. Uh, we Houston, played the Houston's,
1: yeah. Houston's funny for a second. Houston, uh, so are we voting Houston because we think they're good. Or because we think their schedule is easy, right? And I think that's why I think it's twofold. It.
0: They they duck. Uh, they don't have UCF and Cincinnati on their schedule. But as Coach Holgerson said today, they're very experienced. Uh, they've got a veteran team, so I think that senior laden team is is going to be a difference maker for them.
1: Yeah, because I mean, we tied get them in it? first place votes, right? So I mean, that's what's curious. I, I think they're there because they edged out by one vote. I think it's probably from schedule. But go ahead, Mike. Sorry.
2: Do they get SMU at home or Memphis at home? I forget how where, where they got them last year. So obviously it's the opposite. But I was just to about to back. ask you that because I thought even the even answer
0: easier. would be on the tip of your tongue.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that asked
0: the questions around here.
2: The hard-to-one Yeah, ones, anyway.
0: <laughs> you ask the question. Uh, Adam's been doing a, a lot of work this afternoon uh, putting together these videos. You're going to find uh, all of them eventually on the Sun's uh, YouTube page, right? All from the uh, coaches and the players uh, at Media Day. Yeah.
1: Yeah, obviously, uh, right now, uh, Gus Malzahn, Isaiah Bowser, and Ryan O'Keefe. Their video is online, so make sure you go check that out. And we had to at least here from our, our commissioner, our dotting commissioner, one final time, Mike Resco All seventy-two papers he had in his hands. His video is also posted there now. Took a couple of cheap shots at UCF, Jerry, So I heard a heard a Tulsa reference in there. Heard a you know reference about some of the schools. So took took a couple uh, took a couple shots there.
0: He did. Uh, The reference to Tulsa was interesting. Uh, Just not the best performance uh, for uh, Commissioner Oresko, uh, but listen to it for yourself. uh, And that and all of the coaches uh, from AAC Media Day will be up on the Sons of UCF YouTube channel. Be sure to give that a subscription. We've been over the last several weeks getting to know our friends uh, in the Big 12, uh, the new programs that we're going to be uh, playing against uh, come 2023 and beyond and this week we welcome in uh, someone who covers Baylor Matt Wilson with the uh, podcast between two bears Matt welcome into the sons of UCF live
5: guys what's going on it has been an interesting summer I am I'm so ready for the actual football portion of this though so I, I just I I I'm I'm excited that things are changing and we're we're gathering new friends from schools that we have history with, but man, I'm just ready for the football. <laughs> like, we'll we'll I, talk I, a little
0: bit about football in just a second. But what's been the reaction uh, in in Waco and amongst uh, the Baylor Bear Nation to the changes? Uh, Houston come in, Cincinnati, BYU, and of course UCF.
5: Excitement, I think. I, I there's a, a real sense of. Either, you know, some fans thinking the Big Twelve is going to remain in the stature that they are, or they're going to be a more entertaining conference. I, I really, really enjoy the concept of having a BYU and a UCF, not to mention the state of the program for Houston and of course our latest playoff appearance. With Cincinnati, that's such a good collection of not only on the field products, but fan bases, too. You have a, a national brand, an international brand in BYU. You have an up and coming. Um, I don't know. Some in the SEC might call them a messmaker or a rabble rouser in Cincinnati. And then you have Dana down in Houston, who's always going to be entertaining. And and UCF, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying not to dig too. This isn't a therapy session. I'm not trying to dig too much into, into the past here, but like there's history there. So it makes for good rivalry potentials. And there, there's just a lot of excitement and, and I, I share in that.
1: Yeah. That was my question, Matt. What, what's the perception of UCS specifically? You mentioned there, there's a past history, obviously of uh, our, our famous Fiesta bowl matchup. What's the, what's the thought around mm-hmm. UCF and sort of where the program is from, uh, from Baylor's standpoint.
5: I, I think this season actually will provide a lot of background for those opinions because I I think a lot of Baylor fans in particular remember the Fiesta Bowl. And and that was, mm, I don't know if the last piece of what they remember. I think they remember the the great UCF, USF game that happened a couple years ago. Past that, I don't know that there's a lot of intentional – Watching of UCF football. A, because it might leave a bad taste in our mouths. I've that, that, been completely honest about that. But I, I really do think there will be renewed interest in that for this particular season. So especially with the Dylan Gabriel situation and, and just kind of, you know, Gary Bohannon's going over to USF, so maybe there will be some, you know, Passover interest there. But really interested to see what UCF does this season because... It's not going to be long before it's reality.
2: I wore this shirt on purpose because obviously this is a shirt we got after we beat you guys. I saw it. I saw it. I I know. I want to take you back to to that day. Oh, I'm sure. Confident were you in going into that game? How many points did you think you were going to beat us by? And now coming in, like you think UCF is ready to compete right away in this conference?
5: Oh, boy. (laughs) <laughs> I do have the opportunity to just completely bypass all of those questions and jump into the the last one. I won't do that though. Um, how confident was I going into that game? Fairly. I would say, uh, you know, th- there was some hype around Blake Bortles and, and that offense. And, but, but we're Baylor. We, we do practice against that same style of offense every week. Rah, 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 rah. There's no reason why we can't. Right. And, as soon as UCF, uh, very easily, I would say, put up, what was it, 28 in the first half or so, and, and Baylor, I think, barely scratched together 20, I realized that, oh, this is one of those games where Baylor fans have to understand what the limitations of this offense are. And, and when they do show themselves, it can get ugly. And at the end of that game... Notice how I just skipped over everything else <laughs> <clears throat> at the end of that game. I was like, man, why do I care about football so much? So <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I should start a family. Like I might looking over. At my wife I was like, we should have a kid. And th- Sure enough, like a year and a half later, we have a kid. But um, it was it, it, I wish I could go back and watch that game f- as an a mo- as a more objective fan like I am now being able to. You know, externalize some of that fandom and just watch it as a football fan because it was a great game. It was, it was, it was an absolutely fun game. But I was pretty confident. And then quickly, even before halftime, I was like, oof, this is, this is looking familiar because we'd seen that a couple of times.
0: Let me serve up a friendlier question.
5: To Thank you. you. <laughs>
0: um, talk about men's and women's basketball at Baylor and uh, what UCF is looking at when they join this league.
5: Let's start with women's basketball. So as I might be in the minority by saying um, I wasn't terribly displeased to see Kim Mulkey go, but you have to give her her flowers here by saying she was the one that created the program that started the escalation of sports success at Baylor. So all of this national renown that Baylor is trying to accrue and succeeding in some areas that started with women's basketball for Baylor, be it the titles, the Big Twelve titles, whatever you want to focus on, the, the draft picks, the recruiting, it started there. And then you have Scott Drew come along and literally build a champion out of nothing. To the it was it was at a point where they were walking around campus trying to recruit walk-ons and nobody was interested, just guys, just guys from, from the rec center and and nobody was interested. Baylor basketball is is actually the reason I I became aware of Baylor. I was watching, I'm pretty sure it was a Texas tech game in Lubbock and Aaron Bruce, you, you guys don't really have a reason yet to understand that name, but Aaron Bruce dove for a ball out of bounds and I thought to myself wow that that guy plays too hard and so Baylor became kind of like embedded in my brain I I wish there was it's Texas so football is always going to be king but these basketball programs now with Nikki Collin leading the women's team they are showing that you can have sustained success at a small private school in the middle of Texas and I really think that as this success continues, because I do believe it will, you, you look at the recruiting for women's and men's basketball. I do believe it will continue. It, 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 it has to, I, and this is me speaking willing, you know, wishfully, it has to garner more attention internally for the, the student body that's on campus. Um, but it's, it's extremely important to the alumni base. Um, and that's where I think a lot of the excitement is coming from. With the recent success in the men's program, you you get to see a team that comes into the conference in Houston that Baylor had a you know a fantastic matchup in in the Final Four in 2021. You look at a BYU program that's continuously kind of overlooked, maybe too strong, but very strong. Uh, program you look at Cincinnati historically strong and then UCF I, I really want to see that program get back to where they were you know challenging for getting into the tournament on a regular basis because I think the talent is there and the and the infrastructure can be there to get them back where they need to be pretty quick so basketball is is my personal uh, you know that that that's my love I love college basketball more than college football but so I might be biased here, but the excitement is there and I think it's going to grow.
1: Yeah. We'd also like to see UCF basketball get anywhere close to contending for a tournament. But so we've been trying to educate our fans, Matt, on what to expect, obviously new cities for a lot of our fans going to, you know, what, what to expect if they make it out to a game. So I've got a couple questions. I need clarity on, can you tell me more about sail gating? Sounds like a really good idea. That river looks kind of Brown. Is that even a river? First of all, and it looks kind of Brown. when
5: you look at it on Google. Can you tell me more about sail gating? So McLean Stadium is on the Brazos River, and it it definitely is a river. It is is larger than it looks like from some of like the game day tape and and things of that nature. So is it the cleanest water in the world? (laughs) Hey, man, that's not what I came on here to talk about. (laughs) But no, (laughs) no, you don't want to go swimming in it. But there is um, a marina there um, for I don't know two to three dozen boats and you you have people that park their boat there and that's where they tailgate and it's fantastic i will say though that my personal experience is that the tailgating around that marina is is, is high level it, it, it is truly enjoyable i wouldn't say it is of the uh amped up We've been looking forward to this one particular Saturday all year, and we've prepared for three months for this one particular meal. I wouldn't say it's like that LSU level yet, but it is a very um, relaxed, like fun, friendly environment. You have a lot of different schools that come through here and say, wow, this was fantastic. Everybody was super nice, and I hung out with people that are Baylor fans, and we just met, and it was a great experience. And then there's some more tailgating across one of the roads that run next to um, runs next to the stadium. And there's that's where it gets a little, you know, I'll say um, fratty and uh, a little bit more uh, of a party situation. And admittedly, that's where I go hang out to tailgate. But uh, it, it's, it's a really strong scene. Don't go swimming in the Brazos, but swing by and, and have a couple beers. And it's, it's a really good time.
2: So Dave Aranda seems to have the program heading in the right direction now. You guys obviously have a very thrilling championship game last season. What are the expectations for the team this year, and where do you expect them to finish in the conference? Who's this?
5: Okay. So <clears throat> I am usually the realist amongst my group of friends, right? The, the people at Our Daily Bears that I, I talk with, I'm usually the realist. Ah, let's – Temper those expectations, especially when it comes to basketball. Ah, I don't know. Let's temper those expectations. Everything will be fine, but we don't need to, you know, put hyperbole on it. With with that understanding, I am, I am more bullish on this particular Baylor team uh, than I expected to be. And it's because of a, a history of decisions that Dave Aranda has already made that has just increased my level of trust with him and this coaching staff to a level I never had with any previous coaches, uh, ones that we won't name. And then Matt Rule, and I guess Jim Grobe in there too. He never really made any decisions anyway. But I, I have so much confidence in this coaching staff. I'm, I'm very high on this team. You, you look at the, the decision to fire Larry Fedora after one year, that offense was a disaster. And I think there might've been some interpersonal issues there as well, but to be that decisive, that quick and make the hire of Jeff Grimes, and then to turn around and say, our quarterback play has to be better. We have to be more dangerous through the air. And then to make that decision during spring ball and give Gary Bohannon the ability to go transfer somewhere where he can play that just, that inspires a lot of confidence in me. And if it's inspiring a lot of confidence in some nobody in central Texas, it's got to inspire confidence in the team. I think this team will play hard. And I think there are enough experienced pieces coming back from the last season's team, as well as a couple of impact transfers on defense. I think the talent level is still there. I, there's a ton lost on defense and, and some of the, the wide receiver room is going to look a lot different. I have this team like at a floor, uh, I hate saying this out loud, at a floor of nine wins. Like That would be disappointing to me. Nine wins would be pretty disappointing. I expect this team to be in the Big 12 Championship game. I expect this team to be first or second in the conference.
1: All right, Matt, before we let you go, I, I got to ask a question. I, I needed a Baylor expert, and luckily we found one. Um, can you explain this? What are, oh. we, what are we wearing here what is this listen we've had our issues with coaches and, and outfits we had the shacket favorite this is a, a smock is this a short sleeve shirt can you give me any clarity on what the hell is this
5: so you nailed it it's a smock okay um matt and that's Ruhl. the coach right yeah so that's the that's, head coach wearing that okay that that's matt rule um i so there <clears throat> there were a lot of uh, confusing things that happened during the map not bad, not bad at all, just confusing things that would sh- pop up during the Matt Rule tenure. The smock being the first, and everybody's immediate reaction is, "Oh, you don't that that wasn't marketed to you. That's not for you. That's for <laughs> like a running back, running back coach, like who's jacked and who wears it without a." t-shirt underneath and like i think it's supposed to be that's the other part nobody knows what the utilization of this (laughs) garment is nobody had is it like a is it like a rain protection thing but no arms you don't need to protect your like is it like a golf vest thing i know that can't be it does it keep you warm well you're wearing it in august and in central texas like no, that can't be. So nobody still has any idea what this thing is. Now, a, a, a couple of other individuals who are like pretty built guys were wearing this. And it looks pretty cool. If, if you're jacked, it looks pretty cool. Past that, man, I have no idea. I, I have zero idea. Not my style. Fair enough.
0: Mike is already interested in trying out a version of this on next week's show.
5: <laughs> my co-host, Evan Bear of Between Two Bears... Owns one of the smocks. Wow. I'll have to get a picture over to you guys. Um, he he's not as um, we'll call it uh, blocky as I am. He, he <laughs> like he's 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 walking six miles a day. We talk about it all the time on the pod. He's he's walking between three and six miles a day, and he's pretty fit. But he's really skinny. So like it's not even like a skinny thing to make it look good. It does look cooler on him than I think it would look on me. But yeah, I now I'm confused. I'm gonna be thinking about that all night. I would forgotten about the smock. You're welcome. Happily, I think.
0: Matt Wilson, of mm. Between Two Bears covers Baylor athletics. Thanks for being a good sport and joining us on the Sons of UCL. Uh,
5: yeah, absolutely. Please listen in. We don't talk about Baylor sports all that much. I know that sounds insane, but we talk more about the things that are surrounding Baylor sports, like Mo- like strippers that have monkeys in their act mm. and that bite children. And what, what's like
0: the name hand. of that place? What's the name of that place for to, mm. for when we travel out there? With?
5: You'll have you'll have to go back and listen to the episode that was titled uh I believe Step Monkey What Are You Doing, I believe was the name of the that episode. Um so uh and, and then ourdailybears.com I, I we have a collection of really really strong writers over there, very friendly group, really smart, funny people and, and there's a lot of good content coming out there too.
0: Uh, thanks for joining us tonight. Looking forward to playing you guys again.
5: It'll be fun. It'll be fun. Better than the last time, Hope? I don't know. I, I feel better. Not again.
0: for us. It, it for turned us. out pretty good the last time.
5: <laughs> thanks, Matt. Take care. Thank you, Matt.
0: All right, Mike. What do you think? You going to Waco? Can we entice you to go see you know, the Baylor Bears?
2: The David Koresh Memorial. No, I'm not going there. And, and this guy, first. my first impression of him, when he came on the screen, and then I heard his voice. Wow, what a voice. It was like a Rick Astley <laughs> kind of impression he made on me. I didn't expect that voice coming out of that guy. But, it, you know, Baylor has a good team right now. So it would be a fun game, I guess. But I'm not going to Waco. And the sail gating, a couple dozen boats. That I mean, that's not much.
1: He's <laughs> right. It's not much.
2: Mike right. has become the grumpy get off my lawn
0: guy of, of this yeah. particular program. Jeez. All right. Wow, uh, a couple all Honestly, news I'm, news I'm
2: saying what you guys want to say, but won't fit. <laughs>
0: couple of uh, news and notes before we fire up the mailbag uh, season tickets announced today 1246 left 97% sold out adam do they sell out 35 days ago can they can they move 1246 tickets no no charge on tour last stop orlando ace cafe friday august 12th, 5 to 8 day later fan fest rumors that one or more one of the sons of ucf adam uh, might hmm. make an appearance at the Fan Fest at the arena Saturday, August thirteenth, from one to three. Truth, truth in that rumor?
1: It's in pencil right now. Still, it's in pencil. I'll let you know when it comes uh, becomes pen. If it gets to marker status, I will make sure I announce it on the pod. <laughs>
0: yeah. right, we, we, we got a little bit of time. Yeah, uh, a couple of scheduling notes for men's basketball announced officially playing Missouri, December seventeenth. Down by you, Mike. Orange Bowl Classic in Sunrise, and uh, John Rothstein uh, with a scoop: UCF hosting. Donnie Jones and the Stetson Hatters, uh, part of the 22-23 non-conference schedule. Donnie Ball coming back to the arena.
2: And that'll be a fun atmosphere, I think. You know, we got a little of that good coach, bad coach chant, or maybe uh, bad coach, bad coach. I don't know. <laughs>
1: Ooh,
2: no. Um, Thanks. If we, that, we that lose.
1: <laughs> if we lose. For sure.
0: All right. We got <laughs> a lot of walking talks uh, this week in the mailbag. Where do, where do you want to start?
1: I'm going to start with Brian Debbie Peterson. I'm also going to start with an apology, Brian. Um, we still love you, buddy, <laughs> but here, here's here's your walk and talk, man.
5: How's it going, sons? Brian Peterson here. Trace made me feel super guilty about the question I asked earlier this week, so I decided to make up for it by doing a sit and talk. Yes, a sit and talk this week uh, as opposed to a walk and talk. One, because it's July, so it's like a 1,000 degrees outside, and two, I'm lazy, so I wanted to sit while I ask my question. So here it is. Does the Big 12 potentially have a problem on its hands if it does not sign a media deal with ESPN for its future media rights? Uh, as always, I appreciate you guys and all the great content that you guys put out every week. Um, I'll check in next week. Go nights and charge on.
1: Ah, uh, the special effects budget Love you, buddy. is through the roof. Love you, buddy. <laughs> <On your> <laughs> <show>. <laughs> that was like a minute and a half long question, so we we had to economize. We, it's an only an hour show, Brian. <laughs>
2: yeah, good thing you cut that. I would have been sleeping by the time he was done asking that thing. <laughs>
1: Uh, His question though yes. was uh, not outside with question. ESPN, right? Is that a problem? And I think he's probably yeah. onto something there, right? Because ESPN will ignore that—that that which is not on their airwaves. So that probably is a bit of an issue at some point. But at this point, it, it comes down to money versus you know exposure. I think UCF's in the money camp at this point, so let's take the money on that one.
2: You know, ESPN does run all of college football, and it's because you know all they promote all day, and it, everybody knows how to watch the games on ESPN. You know, it's either on ESPN, ESPN two or on the plus if you're on cbs sports network you kind of get lost in the mix even the fox fox sports one i don't think anybody knows what channel that is either so um i think it's very important to keep espn in the mix at least
0: perhaps the um highlight of the week is the walk and talk from jan and brett
1: it's interesting they're they're uh, they're not they're they're in actual soft water, right yes mike you live in actual soft water, right connect do. the dots friends
3: K-Night Nation, Jan and Britt coming to you from South Beach and the Clevelander. So we can't walk and talk because there's too many people. So here's our question. Seeing how the bounce house is pretty much sold out this year, are we going to go undefeated at home like we do every year that we're sold out? I believe we are yes. Brit yeah, that's right Brit believes we are too so what do you think? We're uh, right nice and charge on check out her shirt and uh, can I just say that we have walked through a plume of marijuana smoke and I'm not sure but I think Britt is hot.
0: I think Britt is high.
1: It's an eventful mailbag so far. It's gonna to be tough to top the rest of these at this point. By the
0: way, the shirt Jan made for us said it's all about the UCF down there in real South Florida. So a little, a little dig uh, there. Uh, yeah, I think they can go undefeated. I'm sorry, uh, I cut the video. Fr- what was, what
1: was the question? I, I forgot the question.
0: <laughs> uh, will UCF go undefeated oh. in its seven home games uh, this season? I think Louisville's a challenge and. Of course, uh, they still got to get by Cincinnati, uh, SMU, but um, I, I like their chances.
1: I'm going to say yes. Yeah, why not? We were obviously good at home last year on natural grass where we we're better. I'm going to go with a yes.
2: We haven't lost a game at home with a full crowd since 2016, you know, going back before the national championship season. So I, I, th- I like our chances. I'm more upset I didn't get an invite to the Cleveland. Area. That looks like they were having a great time out there. That's my kind of scene right there.
1: I can't prove you weren't there, Mike. <laughs> Nobody really can. We got we have one more walk and talk though. One more. Our buddy Robert, two
2: letters, two words.
1: Well, is it though? Hey, Night Nation. What's going on? It's Monsa the Barber here. And I have a question from my guy at two letters, two words. When you guys reach 1,000 YouTube subscribers and you let me give you guys your matching tattoos, Night Nation's curious to know where on the body are you guys gonna get those? <laughs> I thought he was a barber. He does tattoos. I need, I need some licenses here. I need to see some official paperwork before I, I sign up for anything at this point. Oh,
0: I thought this was a, a question from Robert. I, I misunderstood.
1: He often farms out his work to to others. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not calling him lazy, Mike. That's do you? Do out. you
2: have any tattoos, Mike? At all? You don't have any. I, I don't i don't but if i were to get one i would get one right on the spot where adam saw oh there
0: you <laughs> cut out right there
2: right there yeah <laughs> say that again say that again your audio went a little skippy there i said i don't have any tattoos but if i were to get one at the beginning of the show you heard adam he said he got a nice view of a part of me mm-hmm. when i was logging in mm-hmm. i'd get the tattoo right right on that area
1: yeah that's fantastic
2: left or right I mean, you, you kind of put on both cheeks and you make, the, you know, you get the wow or the mom
0: tattoo or whatever it is, and you get the O in the middle. Adam, what about
1: you? Where, where's the tattoo going? Oh, I'm doing the, I'm, I'm doing the alphabet on this one. Uh, I mean, it depends on what it is. I'm, you know, back shoulder. I something that, it depends on what I have to get, if I want it visible or not. But I, I, I need paper. I love you to death, monster. I need paperwork before there's any sort of tattoo situation. I need to see official documents. I need to see licenses, whatever the rules are here. I mean, Trace, you have been in the, Have you seen anybody getting tattooed while they're getting their hair cut there? I see people drink beer there
0: uh, as they're getting their hair cut or hair put uh-huh. on, as the case may suggest itself. Oh, uh, yeah, are. way. But uh, no, I haven't seen any tattooing going on there. All right, I'll we'll check uh, on, in on the that. Record there. All right, good stuff there on the and Talks. Britt may be high, as my takeaway <laughs> for this. At Lonely be UCF, even if it's a top of 100 recruit that commits to UCF, should we get excited when a top player commits before transferring, or should we not celebrate moral victories? This seems sort of like the sort of grumpy question that, uh, Mike, I- I'm with you. I want to see him on campus before I get too excited.
2: Yeah, I'm not excited until I actually no. see them making plays. It's not only... They have to get on campus, but they don't have to be a They have to not be a bust. They have to actually be a good player for me to get excited. So I, I'm not excited yet. I'll, I'll wait on them.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, That I mean, the reality is these days with NAL, with bags of cash, Jeremy Pruitt's wife walking around, you never know what you're going to
0: get. By the way, the salty Ohio State fans accusing us of doling out bags of cash. Clearly, never been to UCF.
1: (laughs) Don't
0: don't understand that there's not all these bags of money. That
1: first watch money is really paying (laughs) off. A
0: couple more guys saying NIL deals uh, with first watch. At UCF underscore, Jeb Shred, entire running back room looks stacked. Of course, you got Bowser, Johnny, and the rest. uh, O-line decent experience. Any hot takes on the run game this season? Breakouts. What do you think this group is capable of, Ed?
1: I think Mark Anthony Richards is a really interesting prospect because he played really well in spots last year. But similar to Bowser, we didn't see him a lot. But we don't win the ECU game without him last year. That, that's just a fact, you know. And even the games, I think it was the SMU or Cincy game, we are blown out. He came in and, and at least made some made some noise on the ground. So I'm curious how he fits into this because he's he's not as big as Bowser, but he's kind of fast. He's had some injury history. We know he's got the you know the four or five star rating, uh, but you saw spurts of greatness out of him. So I'm curious what what Mark Anthony can uh, can pull off if he can stay healthy
2: i want to see johnny richardson take that next step right and, and by that and not trip right stay on his feet and take those next 10 steps to the end zone and if he can do that he can have himself a very special season at zebel's ucf what's
0: the worst ucf could do this season and you still consider it a good season it was interesting to hear matt say uh with baylor there that the nine wins would be a bad year out there in waco uh, what's the worst UCF could do and you'd still be happy that it's a good season?
1: So uh, here, here's the problem with this. I would say two losses, and I'm okay. But it depends who those two losses are to. If we lose to Temple and Navy, that's not going to work, right? But if we, you tell me we lose a one-point game to Louisville and a field goal to Cincinnati, I'm not happy with that, but at least I could see the trajectory. But if those two losses are cows and Temple, I mean, just just shut the program down.
2: We have to make the championship game. We, ha- we haven't been in it in a few years now. We have to get back to that game. I'm not even saying that we have to win that game. We have to get back to championship Saturday. Otherwise, the season is not successful.
0: The uh, stat that I found interesting on Twitter this week was from Chris Felica, who said 13 teams with an over-under win total of at least nine and a half last year. Only two hit the over. Georgia and Cincinnati. So remember that when you make your – they're going to win all the games – prediction at captive one uh, mocking our friends over in Tampa uh, for some of their promotional and social media work he goes it seems every day is 2007 do you think it's a good move to market their program their jersey reveal and new uniforms with uh, Matt Grothy and Selvy? don't they have any fresher faces no they do not <laughs> they have to go back uh, to that that past that they continue to cling to, so no, they. I'm don't surprised they found
1: those two. I mean, at this point, right? Like, I mean, I, I, the reality, reality is, is
0: always available.
1: I mean, easy though? Yeah. Three to six, Trace. i mean, come on. Um, I, I, look, <laughs> the reality is, I think th- th- we know where they are, right? They're just they're they're stuck in the old days. They were number two one time, and they're still number two in my book.
2: Yeah, I mean, they go back to their most successful day, and it was that day in 2007, and that. That's what they can, that's all they have to to hang their head on right right now. So, I mean, give them credit for at least finding those guys. I don't know.
0: And we end with at Hugh C. Half during a recent tailgate talks podcast, the sun shared they're too old to tailgate on memory mall. Hugh says he's 37, doesn't see himself tailgating anywhere else. Begs the question, how old is too old to enjoy the biggest party on campus? Why do you guys think you're too old for memory mall?
1: Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll start with a, a lot of times there, there are other family members with me. So, I mean, there, it's more of a, a family uh, but choice. But just the two of
0: you. Just the two of you are going. You still, you're still you going to avoid memory mall? Well,
1: hey, we're lazy. So we're not going to set anything up in advance. So, so that's the problem. Mike and I are not getting up there early, setting up chairs in a tent. So we need to crash somebody else's tailgate party, right? So we need to we need to make some inroads with some of the, the local uh, college kids there because there's no way Mike and I are setting something up in advance.
2: Chris Rock said it you don't want to be the old guy at the club you're not too old just too old to be in the club right and, and that would probably be us people will be looking at think about it, the kids that are in school right now are half of our age half they're actually closer to my kids age than they are to my age so you know I, i'm a little bit more, more mature now I'm, like adam said i'm not setting up the tailgate if we're going to tailgate we're going to do it like we did last year where the people bring the tent and set up everything for us and we walk straight to the gate uh, it's a little too much work for
0: we are about a year removed from the potato salad uh... A situation, are. <laughs> By the yeah, way, I, I Adam, actually, when you're going we're... back to queue up portions of the show, I think Mike just said that he's too mature.
1: <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> I did.
2: And we're only I about six weeks away from my next potato salad party for the Louisville game, so be ready for that.
1: One. <laughs> there you go. Is
2: it potato salad part do? You're
1: not
4: making me new?
1: I saw he was he was personally lobbying Terry Mojaja for hot dogs in the cabana today. Oh so my goodness, this could you be were. A, we're this very could be trash on the
0: Twitter today about that with Terry. This Jeez, could be a food
1: he... treasure train for Mike. Potato salad at the tailgate, hot dogs at the game. I mean, he's all set after that. Burger U afterwards for a couple of cold ones. Oof. holy train Mike,
0: you uh, you did make an interesting yet forceful point uh, to Mr. Bahadur today when you mentioned that if everybody can drink all over the stadium and we're going to take away things from the cabana, what's the joy in the cabana? I think they're, they're going to have to navigate that. And we've been talking about that over the course of the year that from a revenue standpoint – They may open up some uh, avenues there uh, with beer sales across the stadium, but you got to reward those folks in the clubs.
2: I understand what they're doing. They got to make the money. I don't have any problem with them selling beer at other spots. I still like my cabana seats. I like being at the fifth yard line. I like having the the party deck where I can stand and watch the game if I want. But the thing that threw me was they said that they're not going to serve alcohol or liquor anymore, and they're only going to have those pre-made drinks. That doesn't sit well with me. For me, it doesn't affect me, I drink beer, but my wife, she likes to have a vodka. My buddy that I go to the game with, he doesn't drink beer, he only drinks his Tito's and all. That's gonna cause a problem, that's true. I heard later in the day that there was a lot of backlash, maybe from me, and, and they're changing course, there will be regular liquor in the cabana.
0: I'm surprised you didn't uh, at Jimmy Skiles on your hot dog point
2: too. I mean, I don't think I'm asking for too much. It, it's a hot dog, you get a, a dirty water hot dog stand at the top of the <laughs> cabana, they sell beer, they have a cart up there for beer, have another cart right next to it with hot dogs, so I don't have to go downstairs to get my hot dog. I want both of them at the same spot. It, it's a pretty simple solution.
0: Adam, when I messaged you, when I sent you Mike's tweet today, what did you say? Mike's Mike's focused on a couple of things. What were the things you mentioned?
1: Yeah, let me. Uh, know, let, me let me let me pull that up here. I, I think I had um, death taxes and hot dogs. Mike's holy trinity.
2: <laughs> I mean, if it's, if the Home Depot could have one of those things <laughs> in front of their stores, why can't we have one at the top of the cabana? I don't think it's out of the budget.
0: Sounds like something for the sun's
2: tailgate. Have a dirty water hot dog stand.
1: They have hot dogs at Home Depot.
2: You never been to Home Depot and they have a guy sitting outside with a bunch of a hot dog stand.
1: I guess I haven't. I, There's like Costco. <laughs> to... no.
2: Are uh. you eating Home Depot hot dogs on
0: weekends? <laughs> that's what's going on. You're not at the Clevelander because that's where all the young guys are hanging out. You're over
2: at the Home Depot buying tools and getting a hot dog i'll tell you what (laughs) for my job i did a lot of travel and not as much anymore but i used to be on the road all the time home depot i would stop in there go to the bathroom sometimes and for a hangover on a monday you go there you get the hot dog you get some onions put on they actually do a good job with their hot dogs um it's not a bad option
0: adam could you scroll do you have elo's comment that you could bring up as we end this uh this, this show what was the, uh, Mike, you may have missed it. We need video clips of Adam's looks when Mike asks guests awkward questions. <laughs>
1: <laughs> My favorite part of that whole interview, though, was, uh, Matt Wilson's dog in the background, <laughs> which he tried to blur very nicely, but it just was not working. that dog was all over the couch behind him.
0: <laughs> I started to laugh, but I wasn't on camera when I saw the dog. I thought we were going to have an
2: indecent oh, exposure Oh, Mike, you've
1: got, situation. you've got a kindred spirit here. You and Mario can go grab a couple of, a couple of hot dogs at the local HD.
2: They're not bad. I'm telling you. It's just like walking around the streets in New York You get a little dirty water <laughs> Bring Jason Osborne with you, too. I mean,
1: get, get yourself a, a three-person car. You're set.
2: Get Jimmy Skiles <laughs> on the phone right now. Get him in touch with the guy at Home Depot and get a hot dog stand at the top of the cabana. Uh, it seems like <laughs> a top six, five list. Five
0: it seems like uh, one of those things where you cut, bench, and fire, and start all that with the hot dogs. I think there's some some memes that you could create with that.
2: They got five weeks to get it done. Oh I think that's plenty of time. <laughs> and I, I've been—I put them on notice last year about it. So, I, and I guess they got to do something about the buns. I wouldn't know because I didn't get any hot dogs last year because they didn't have any at the top of the game. So, <laughs> let's oh get that figured goodness.
0: out, boys. Oh boy! I want to thank Jason Beatty of the Orlando Sentinel for getting everything set for us as UCF football preseason camp gets underway next week. Players report on Sunday. Camp gets underway Monday. We'll have some video on my Twitter at SignPez if all goes well and I make it out there so you can overanalyze those throws and hands-off, hand, handoffs and, and stretching exercises. Media Day next Thursday. Hope to have some sound from that on the next Suns Live. And, of course, the Suns will be breaking it down on their show. Uh, we thank you. We thank Matt from uh, two. Uh, what's it called? The show it, between two bears. Between yeah. two bears. I don't have that quite memorized yet, but uh, and we thank everyone for for joining us. Don't forget, check out the YouTube page with all of the interviews from AAC Media Day. here from Coach Malzahn, Isaiah Bowser, Ryan O'Keefe, as well as the other coaches and really get to know the programs the UCF will be facing. Just 35 days out from kickoff. All right, Terry Mahajer, get those hot dogs lined up for Mike, for Adam and Mike. I'm Trace Rulko. Go Knights.
1: Charge up. Go hot dogs. Hello, this is Hey Dude Shoes. This is an ad, but not for your ears, for your feet. Are they listening? Good, Hey Dude Shoes are the squishiest, airiest, lightest, go-to shoes you'll ever have the pleasure of introducing your toes to. So light, a butterfly could steal them. So soft, kittens seethe with jealousy. So cushy, your hands will curse your feet for all the love and attention. Toes, you've hit the jackpot of comfy. Hey Dude. Good to go to.
3: Sports Social Podcast Network.